Hello and welcome to episode 2 of The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a Misspent Youth Productions. My name is Kieran. And I'm Jack. I'm Stephen. And I'm Joe. Thank you so much for your feedback from last week's episode. We had a really great time. This week's episode is with Hazel Wilde from Lanterns on the Lake and Lights on Moscow. This year she was a judge on the panel for the Mercury Prize, having been nominated for last year's award. On that note, congratulations to Arlo Parks on this year's prize. I think it's a very deserved win. We, me, I was, too. me too. I was... Obviously me too. I've always always, <laughs> always loved Arlo Parks. Immediate. Do you know what's good for a podcast? In-jokes. So In-jokes <laughs> that no one else gets. No, but I'm getting in. What I'm doing is before you expose this lie, this campaign you have against me, I'm getting in there early. I've always loved Arlo Parks. <laughs> Hours okay. now. At le- well, yeah, at least half an hour. Um, yeah. So Steve is um, a fan of the winners of the Mercury Prize, and only the winners, and only the winners. A very dependent, submissive tastes. <laughs> this, uh, just to bring listeners in, uh, in case you want to chuck any abuse at Steve on social media, it, it started when he uh, really got into elbow. Um, and that just happened before, to be before it, the prize. It happened to be after they'd won the Mercury Prize, um, and since then, but pretty much everyone that he likes has been accused of being in some way affiliated with. I think I believe I believe uh, with, well Jay Z. He's won a Mercury. Jay Z's the most outrageous one of all. No, I think Manchester United was more outrageous oh, oh, yeah, than yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> Manchester United or Dartford FC. Uh, Do you remember uh, how yeah. devastated Steve was last year when he thought the pandemic was going to have the Mercury's called off? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to listen to it. No, no new you artist wouldn't have, for wouldn't 2020. Heard, wouldn't have heard any music. This interview wouldn't have happened. He would have written it straight I, off. I, actually, actually, I've got one more outrageous than Manchester United. Was, was I think, it, I can't remember specifically what it was, but it probably was Paella. I got into a new... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, plenty. It was of, definitely look, a new food. In your world, plenty of things have won the Mercury, mate. We're yeah. talking uh, Blue Water Shopping Centre, uh, ed- <laughs> Education, <laughs> the Labour Party. Pizza. They've all won the Mercury. <laughs> so, sounds like you guys had a good time on last week's episode. But once again, oh, yeah. to find ourselves in a familiar position where yeah. the interviewers are without possibly their, their, uh, their, uh, their greatest striker. The our, J-Match. Our, yeah, well, I think what's good is that we introduce ourselves but only say our first name. So you saying J-Match means absolutely nothing to the listeners. Uh, it will also, do, mate, in the 300th episode. Don't, he calls himself the J-Match. We call him the Uninvited. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a horror movie. Profoundly unwelcome. <laughs> the Unwelcome. That's, that's my nickname. The name of Jack's, Jack's biography. Actually, Jack. To be fair, yes. Uh, this this week uh, was just it was just Kieran and I talking to uh, Hazel. But next week it's uh, we're, we're talking to Alan and a tiny cameo from Mimi of the band Low. But that was just uh, you and I, if you remember. It was a particularly exciting episode. I, although I have I've cut out everything you've said and I've got Steve ah, to replace the oh, vocals yeah, good, because I felt I felt I felt bad I felt bad for Steve. I mean I can't really talk because I'm not on this one, but we had a lot of really good feedback about the first episode, and you've got to wonder 
just trends. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I wish I wish I knew some information. In oh, like, it would be good to hear from the robot, wouldn't it? In like digestible chunks. Hazel wild facts. I'm s- I'll never get bored of that. <laughs> <laughs> he, will he ever just come straight in and we won't react to that? <laughs> I don't think I can hear it. That, because what listeners don't know is that's genuinely the most personality Kieran's voice has ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Hazel Wild Facts. It's just so good. Hazel is a member of bands Lanterns on the Lake and Lights on Moscow. Mm-hmm. Lanterns on the Lake have released four studio albums and one live album with the Royal Northern Sinfonia. Oh, it's good though. That Although they did, a, they did release a sneaky EP towards the end of last year. What? There's little... Tykes. Their last record, Spook the Herd, was nominated for a Mercury Award in 2020. This year, Hazel was also announced as a judge for the 2021 Mercury Awards. Mm. Hopefully, she voted for Arlo Parks, otherwise she is going to look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's from the fact, man, so <laughs> it's a fact. It's, wow. That's canon. Lights on Moscow released a record in 2018, but as a part one EP... However, in this episode, we hear that they are planning a part two. It was great talking to Hazel. We are massive fans of her work, as you'll hear. Uh, we talked to her about her start in music, her Hendrix-esque medical need to be in a band, being nominated for a Mercury, as well as being on this year's panel, and the pain of band personnel changes. Enjoy the show. Yeah, how have you been? So is it is it been a mixture of uh, you know rehearsals and parenting, I guess? Yeah, um, mixture of yeah. We we started working on um, writing new music um, once those kind of the first lockdowns were over. Mm. We got back in a room together, so we're kind of in the flow of writing, and also um, we'll have a tour coming up, so we're trying to rehearse for that. Sure. Um, when really all you want to do is work on new music, don't you? But um, you know, no. things have to do. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're you're so you're 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 writing a new record and you're about to tour your last record, which which did incredibly, by the way. Congre- belated congratulations on the Mercury nomination and everything. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we were really pleased with how it seemed to go down. Um, it was just a shame we couldn't tour it at the time. Mm. You know, yeah. um, it's hard to tell how people are receiving the album without playing it in a room to them and kind of feeling that reaction um so it will be nice to go out and play those songs um after all this time and hopefully there'll be people that who you know who have lived with the record for the last year or so and who are looking forward who really know the songs by now and are looking forward to hearing them um yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. it's it, it was definitely one of my big uh lockdown one hour exercise a day (laughs) <laughs> albums <laughs> uh, oh, yeah how has uh lockdown been frustrating or were you one of the productive people i definitely wasn't one of the productive people and i did really envy um other people who were um saying how much they were getting done and um you know being really proactive with their lives and on creative projects and stuff like that for me um unfortunately well fortunately in, in some respect but I had a baby um, in August 2019, so I think she was six, seven months when the first lockdown started. 
and obviously you couldn't have anyone help with childcare, so it was just pretty sure. full on oh, being wow. yeah being a new mom um, at that time, and unfortunately just didn't get any chance to work on any music. Mm. And um, I think like I have spoken to some other artists as well quite recently where you felt kind of um, that you it was it was almost like it seemed like the rest of the world who were who were artists were getting loads done and writing loads of music and you felt like you just yeah. weren't able to do that and even those brief glimpses of free time um I felt so much overwhelming pressure to actually try and come up with some music that it was um kind of stifling really but it's rare that an artist would release a record in February and then suddenly start writing a new record yeah so, yeah exactly I mean yeah. you were ready to go on tour with it so I mean I wouldn't be too hard yeah, on yourself right. <laughs> yeah we were, we were really looking forward to that and now um now we're kind of in the frame of mind of we're a bit in the zone now with working on new stuff and so it almost feels like it's a, an interruption to that in a way um but I think we would like to try and put a few of the new songs in the set for this Amazing. tour and um I'm sure the last thing people want to hear when they're going to see a band they've been trying to see for a while is new songs, but um, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they won't mind one or two. Um, but it, it, for us, that would just give it a bit more energy and would feel a bit more excitement going into that tour. Um, so, yeah. Are you Absolutely. one of those bands that, uh, that thinks that their newer stuff is better than their older stuff? Always. Yeah, always. Um, <laughs> no, I think you've got to be. You have to, yeah. I feel yeah. like your best stuff is the most recent thing that you're working on otherwise um there's just not much point it's interesting you bring up uh parenting actually because we spoke to uh low uh for listeners this is out of sequence so your episode (laughs) will be coming up before the low episode but we spoke to them about um parenting and music obviously their kids are a lot older now but uh so will you be taking will you be taking your kid on tour will you have childminders with you or what how Uh, is it going to work so because we're quite new to it um it's been a tricky one to try and schedule and arrange and I think we made the decision to um even though it will probably financially not be great um was to break up the tour into chunks of sort of three days at a time and and that way we can get back to see her regularly and um only be away a few days at a time and then be home for you know four or five days or something and Luckily, we are very, very lucky that we have really supportive families and um, our grandparents are really involved in our life anyway. Amazing. Um, so I think just at this age that she is now, because um, I'm aware that low did they take their kid on tour? Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. It is something we've spoke about, but I think... Um, but I think the age that she is now, it's just um, wouldn't really be fair to her, so maybe we'll do that further down the line which is a little bit older and she can enjoy it more and um not get really really frustrated sitting in a van for hours a day no I'm sure <laughs> but how's so how's parenting been over lockdown nowadays it's a lot easier because she sleeps a full night Lovely. she goes and spends time with her grandparents goes to nursery one day a week and things like that so it's a lot it's a lot more easier to manage um but yeah during that first lockdown I, I Looking back, I don't really know how I survived or how other people survived. Um, I don't know how I'd survive if I was a single parent, definitely. Sure. Um, it was just pretty full on and, you know, I was still trying to find my feet being a parent. Yeah. Um, so trying to 
manage a lockdown in that was a bit tricky to say the least yeah i bet so what have, have you uh have you already started to push music on her uh slash are, are you are you trying to recreate your own musical childhood with her forcing um, like what so what what were the things you were listening to as a kid and are you making your daughter listen to them <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid, I loved music, like absolutely, from a really, really, really young age. I think um, my parents have told us in the past that uh, when I was only just learning to talk, I was singing Cindy Lauper time after time. Oh, like, wow. And, <laughs> wow. Um, and I, I've always been really drawn to music. Um, and that was a really big part of my childhood. I don't know if it was really forced on me. Mm. And one of the things I really don't want to do with my daughter is uh, force her into things that I like. But she does seem to have got the music bug. Um, Great. And I don't know if that's a good thing because uh, you guys probably are aware that getting into music can just lead to a lifetime of heartache. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing, but I'm not going to try and um, force anything on to it or try and you know, force her not to be into music, but mm. she she does absolutely love music. And she even likes um, Bob Dylan, which is great. It's good for me. Wow, lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the main song for her at the minute is um, Old MacDonald. It's, I mean, it's a classic. classic. Yeah, staple. It's a classic, an absolute banger, yeah. So <laughs> she's really into that one and sings it multiple times a day. <laughs> lovely. Let's, so what yeah. was, uh, what were the, what were the first, albums apart from Cindy Lauper obviously that you remember loving as a child um so I loved the Beatles as a kid mm. um I loved what else did I love I liked the, a lot of my mum liked Motown music so I would listen Brilliant. to a lot of that um what else I just used to really like any pop music that was happening at the time as well um sure. I mean yeah, for, I'm sure from about the age of four, I was just well. It, that was like my main obsession was music. Yeah. So what was uh, what were the? I mean, yeah. Same for me. My my awakening was the Beatles when I was like four or five or whatever. Um, what what were the first Beatles songs you remember loving? So one of the first um, pieces of music that I owned. Um, not quite the Beatles, but related, was uh, Paul McCartney's The Frog Chorus. Yes, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that one. But um, also we used to listen to, uh, we used to love going on, um, whenever we were in our dad's car, we used to love them playing, we called it the aeroplane song, but it was back in the USSR. Yeah, oh, because <laughs> it starts with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember sort of like headbanging to that quite a lot. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and then we also, when I say we, I'm talking about me and my little brother. Mm. We also used to watch uh, Magical Mystery Tour and like a lot. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Was that was that your favorite Beatles movie? Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it's weird and kind of twisted and um, massively. Yeah, so it's not really a very child friendly film, I don't think. But for whatever reason, we were really into that. <laughs> I, I have I just have a really I don't remember that film well at all but I, I watched it when I was really ill uh, as a kid oh, right, and yeah. then and then I threw up and that's what I remember of, <laughs> I'm much happier I'm, I'm, I prefer the safer world of help where Ringo gets paint chucked on him that's that's where oh, I'm yeah. 
that's my safe space for Beatles that's movies. Not, that's more kid friendly. I'm surprised you went sick at the scene. Is there not a scene where they're eating? Someone's eating an, an enormous amount of spaghetti. Yeah, um, yeah there is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's enough to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so, what about when you uh, first joined a band? So I was like desperate to join a band when I was a teenager, and mm. I was always trying to cajole friends into forming bands with us. Um, and it was, uh, I could never get anything off the ground. You know, I'd be like, guys, I've, I've written a song. and But I don't think, um, I think when you're a teenager, lots of people like the idea of being in a band, but not the actual reality of getting in a room and trying to figure out how mm. to play together. So um, yeah, it was like, it was well after I left school that I joined wow. my first band, which was actually with Paul and Paul, who I'm in Lanterns with oh, now. Wow. And it was a case of, um, I think I met the bass player at the time in a pub and he was talking about a band. And yeah, I was just like, it's hard to describe how desperate I was to, to join a band. Like um, meeting a bass player in like, a pub. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, It was like this all-consuming thing with me. And um, I think I remember watching a, um, a documentary about Jimi Hendrix. And there was a bit in it where somebody said, as a kid, I think like a social worker or a teacher or someone had, had written a report about him and it said, and it was before he'd touched the guitar, but it said, this child needs to needs a guitar so much it's damaging him um, <gasps> mentally. And that's how I felt about um, wow. needing to join a band. Um, and I couldn't really, and I still can't, I'm not a great musician, but I can like, I can get by. <laughs> Um, I'm not a great singer, but I can get by. And same with songs, but I just felt like if I was in a band, um, I would kind of, I would feel complete. So um, yeah, I joined this band with those guys and um, we just, we didn't play covers or anything like that. We got straight into, I think the first day I played with them, we wrote a song. Wow. Um, and yeah, and then it just went from there. Interesting. So, were, were you, are you not, or were you not a very confident singer then? No, in, in fact, when I joined them, so when I met the bass player, he was called Ed, mm. and he, um, what he said was they were, he was in a band and they were looking for a singer. So I offered to do a bit of singing until they found a singer. Right. And. Um, I really liked writing songs, so what I thought was I could kind of get in that way. I'd get into the band, write the songs, sing for a bit until we found a singer, and I'd play a bit of rhythm guitar or something like that. Right. Um, but all this, all these years later, I'm still singing. <laughs> oh wow! Because um, I mean, I remember first hearing you, your voice, because I I love your voice, by the way. Uh, Thank you. But the first, it wasn't Lanterns, because we recorded our first record in. Uh, 2008 with our mutual friend Justin Lockie oh, right, yeah. and I believe you'd already started doing Lights on Moscow at that time and he sent us the demos yeah. and then and then you know 10 years later that album eventually came out but so <laughs> yeah, no, at what point good. at what point did you meet Justin and start working together um so I'm I think that we met when I was in that early band um mm. I'll just tell you the name. We were called Green Space. I know it's a really shit name. Green Space. But, um, okay. Pretty, pretty bad yeah. name. That's nice. <laughs> um, so I met him when I was in that band. He can remember meeting me in a pub in Newcastle and us having a conversation. I couldn't really 
remember that very well. But, so is that um, is that what people do up north? They just meet they t- band members. You talk to strangers up there. <laughs> we, yeah, what we do, we just walk into clubs and uh, seek out other musicians. Because obviously, because <laughs> obviously he'd been in yeah. he'd been in Milo for a while at this by this yeah. point. I think I think he must have been in Milo at that time. Um, and yeah, and then a, a few years later, he sent me an email through. I think he got my contact details through a mutual friend and um, and said he had some a band called, uh, well, it was the British Expeditionary yeah. Force, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he asked if I could come and do some backing vocals with them and play a bit of guitar, oh. I think it was. So I went along to meet him and talk about that. And when I was there, I took the music away. Um, and he said, oh, I think it, we were in his little studio that he had at the time, um, which was in the back of like a rehearsal studio in, in Newcastle. Right. And he said, oh, I'll just play you this. It's just some rough ideas I've got for a project. I don't really know what I'm doing with it. And I absolutely loved it. And that was uh, a lot of that made up the music that became Lights on Moscow. I took that away and like wrote loads of lyrics and vocals to go with that stuff. And um, then we started just ex- exchanging in a, a lot of ideas. And um, and then I never even got around to doing any anything with British Expeditionary Force. But um, Sure. So were you supposed yeah. to? So you were supposed to do stuff with the British Expeditionary Force? Yeah, I think that was the original idea, wow. and probably still is the idea. But I just God, I'd love to hear a third record from from those guys. They, they yeah. were one of our well, they were one of our favorite bands when they released. They were, right. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Um, but between us yep. and your listeners, <laughs> um, I think there is some work in the pipeline that I, I have heard. Um, God, he's so sneaky. Justin he's is so sneaky. Sneaky boy. <laughs> he does all this stuff in the background. He's supposed to be in editors. How does he have time? <laughs> How does he have time to do everything? I know, and, and runs his own label and yeah, as well. I know. Crackers, yeah. To, I mean, to put into context from when I first heard so how long it takes for Justin to do work I first heard uh Lights on Moscow when Justin sent me like a list of demos like nine demos or something and I put that on my brand new iPod classic by the time the album came out the iPod classic no longer existed right to be fair to Justin that's that's all my fault I think he would have put it out the next day and he's very much like that you He'll make something and he wants to put it out immediately. Sure. Whereas I'm like, um, I always feel like it has to be right. And I, I'll mm. take a long time to be convinced to release things. Is that why you only um, released four songs in the end? Yeah, in the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we do have another EP ready to go. but I'm Brilliant. Like, oh, well, you should have two old. or three more EPs ready to go. Well, yeah, we do. To be You honest, can't lie to us because we've heard the demos. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd like to put everything out like tomorrow if he could sure. and it's me who's um i'm the difficult one it was one of those things where i'd sat with the demos of um lights on moscow for so long that when i finally heard uh uh lord let me know the studio and the bass is just so, like you know basically just turned the bass up to 15 <laughs> oh yeah. man my head was blown off it was like uh it was like when you when it's like hearing the Beatles in mono when they re- released that box set. That's <laughs> just what I, like that. It was yeah. exactly the same as that. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, do you do you prefer listening to the Beatles in mono or in stereo? 
stereo. Really? So the original? Yeah. Because I was, I was, when I was walking down the street as a kid, I mean, this could be a, an undiagnosed inner ear problem that I have, but whenever mm. Eleanor Rigby would start and it would start in both ears and then it would go to the, to just, I think the left ear, I'd always just slightly lose my balance while I was walking home from school. Right. I always thought that was like one of the cool things about the Beatles. Oh, really? I just thought it was a, yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Panning, panning in music is good, Joe. <laughs> nope. <laughs> One mic, press record, release album. It always strikes me when you're listening to the Beatles how, and in stereo, how loud some of their extra percussion is. Like, mm. you'll hear, like, a shaker in one ear just so flipping loud that nowadays you would mix that right down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can I can hear it. I can't think of the song. Ding, 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 ding. It's, I think it's on uh, Rubber Soul. Uh and once again, in stereo, it makes me fall over. So I feel like you're <laughs> you're supporting me getting into accidents. I think that's your problem. Yeah, that's, <laughs> See, I think basically, yeah, I mean, that's an isolated, that's an absolutely isolated incident. <laughs> With uh, going back to lanterns, uh, so you formed in what was it like the late noughties, right? Yeah, I think two thousand and eight or nine or maybe a little bit earlier than that. So it's sort of, it formed out of the end of our last band, Green Space. So it's quite hard to pinpoint when we started. Right. It was like during the death of <laughs> demise of uh, Green Space. <laughs> um, so some of the songs kind of overlapped a little bit. Oh, okay. So on, so on the first uh, Lanterns record, there's some a couple of Green Space classics in there. No, not exactly, <laughs> but in the first... When Lenten started, we um, we used to make all of our demos and things available for free on, um, you know, like Last FM. I don't is that even a thing anymore? I don't know. It, it was Last a FM. thing for a long time. I think it still I, exists, but yeah, we used to do the same thing. Yeah, we yeah, had we yeah. had a fair few scrubbles in our time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and MySpace, obviously, yeah. and we used to make CDs and just flip and like just hand them out at gigs with our gig listings on and. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the kind of the end of Green Space songs were on that. Um, right. Yeah. So how did, but so if you were just hand re- releasing records and releasing them for free on the internet, how did the Bella Union thing come about? Um, so we started, um, we started making EPs and just re- recording them ourselves and releasing them um, almost like a little DIY label really. Um, and I think, and so we would send them out to places like, you know, like Six Music and mm. um, various blogs and people that we just thought um, would be into it. And um, we kind of started to slowly pick up a little bit of a following that way. And then um, I think we got on at a couple of festivals, like uh, End of the Road in their unsigned tent and things a like that. Of, a couple of small festivals. <laughs> yeah. well, and also Glastonbury was one, which was an, an absolute nightmare, but we got on their BBC introducing stage. Wow. Yeah, if, if, if listeners don't know, that's a small festival in the south of England. Yeah. It's just a <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I think Simon first heard of us around that time, and um, I think Steve Lamar played in one of our songs. Um and was like, I think you'll like this. 
And then also around that time, Rough Trade was selling our EPs for us. And I think um, Nigel House, who works at Rough Trade, passed on the EP to Simon as well. So I think other people thought that Simon would be into it and passed on our music to him. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then he just got in touch and um, we've been with them since. Like I, w- I would absolutely say that uh, Lanterns are like a Bella Union band. And I think, and, and I mean that as like a high compliment. Yeah, it's like a, a label that, I think we liked some of the bands on there mm. and um, yeah, it, we always kind of like had certain certain labels that you have like respect for and then um, mm-hmm. that was definitely one of them, but we didn't, for some reason, we didn't think to approach them and um, in our last band, we had approached different labels and then this time round with Lanterns, we, we didn't bother because we just wanted to do it because we loved doing it and we didn't mm. want to like put too much um meaning into finding a label to release things sure. we just wanted to keep releasing stuff and and that actually um ironically is what attracted labels to um want to work with us right um so yeah but yeah it's a, it's a nice label it's a small there's a lot of artists on there there's a you know it's a huge roster but mm. it's a small there's not very many people that work there there's only you know three or four people that you that you're working with there and um it's nice yeah yeah sure so were they the ones that decided to put your last record forward for the mercury or did you kind of go to them and say oh we think this would be great or how did how did that work? um we didn't ask to be put forward for it i think most labels in the uk will put um most of the records for like in for the mercury because you never know do you like Mm. well obviously we're a perfect example of um you just never know what 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 will be picked and like i think if the music is strong enough and the record has something about it um well i know i know myself because i'm I'm on the judging panel this year yeah you listen to everything and um you know you give every everything as much time and attention um, whether it be an artist you've never heard of before or a huge, really well-known band who everybody's been banging on about their record for months, you know. So, yeah, um, Bell Union put our record up for it along with other records. And um, I think we must have known that we would be in there for the running, but you just never think that you... Well, you hope, but you never <laughs> think that it could happen. Um so how many records have you had to listen to in the last however many months since you've oh, <laughs> so so many and it's weird because um i had so i don't know if you guys are the same but i had sort of like not fallen out of love with music but just stopped listening to much music um yeah certainly the last sort of five or six years i've been i love making music but i don't really listen to much music and um I don't know if it's that I don't want it to influence what I'm making or that I just, I don't know what it is really, but I hadn't listened to much. And so I've listened to so much music the last few months. Like I'd probably say the last time I listened to this much music, I was about 15 years old and it's been good. Actually, I've kind of fallen back in love again with just listening to music and, um, like I'll go for a run every night and put a different album on now and I didn't used to do that um and yeah it's been it's been good for me in that way what were you doing were you were you just listening to like old comfort songs or was it all like podcasts and audiobooks for you podcasts yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, um, and, and also just around the house. I hadn't been listening to much music for a long time, um, but I do a little bit more now. So how does it uh, work with the with the Mercury? So when, when were you approached to actually be part of the judging panel? I'm going to say like May or June. Right, May okay. probably. Um, yeah, so it's what they do is they have 12 judges, um, eight media judges who are like journalists mm-hmm. or radio producers and what have you. And then they have four artist judges. And so this year, me and Michael Kawanuka have joined as artist judges. But how? How did did they just approach you and said, would you like to be a judge? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's what that's all yeah. Simple as that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so and then so so what's the process then? Do you ever do you ever talk with uh, Michael about it, or do you just basically you have to listen to about five hundred albums? And <laughs> you get um, a super duper new iPod, right? With all of the albums that have been submitted, which is about I don't know, like three hundred albums or something like that, isn't wow. it? It's like all the albums from in the yeah. UK and Ireland, because Ireland, Southern Ireland is also included in right, it. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, and it's just a case of listening to as much as you can. And I think the, yeah, and then we, we uh, you figure out some of your list and um, the other judges are figuring out their lists. And then it's a case of getting together over, obviously at the moment it's all been via Zoom, but mm. discussing albums and um, whittling it down to a sh- a long list and then a short list and we don't decide the winner until the day really that was what i was going yeah. to ask so we don't discuss it once we came up with the short list we didn't discuss it again um right. we don't do until the day of the awards and i have heard before that um it's been right right down to the last minute but as in somebody's gone on stage to read out the winner live on telly and they still haven't decided and then like somebody's ran on with the decision <laughs> oh wow um, so I'm quite looking forward to seeing that that side of it all. On the night, you just pick the one per, the one album that you choose. Is that the just? Yeah, on the night, you, you all decide as a panel. Yeah. Um, so it's a discussion. It's not like uh, you go into a special little booth and tick a box for Mogwai's album. It's a discussion, album. and then I think that you then vote for your one. And um, I, I don't know because I've not been a part of the very final judging so it'll be interesting to to be a part of that and see what it's like from that side and I've heard that it can get quite heated right. um, <laughs> so that should be entertaining as well <laughs> so how, I mean how do you feel about um awards in general uh because because obviously it's basically you've just got a bunch of people in a room and it's a bunch of people's different opinions yeah uh, but it, but also you know, we're we're all musicians. We're aware that the Mercury is a massive deal, and it must be such an honour. Well, to be well, one to be nominated and then to be part of the decision making. Yeah. Does that sort of bring it down to earth? Because you're going to be part of the decision for who wins the Mercury. It like, you know, ten years ago, that must have been a fever dream. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, awards. I'm aware it's a music. It, all art is subjective, mm. isn't it? Um. And I suppose you could say the same thing about <clears throat> taking things like reviews seriously. Mm. So it is all subjective, but with something like, and I suppose like the Turner Prize and the Booker mm. Prize, it, it, it's similar to the Mercury in that as an artist, um, 
it's a big deal to be shortlisted because it's not based on any kind of hype or any um, backstory or mm. any um, or any reviews or anything like that. It, it's based purely on the record. And I know now from being a judge that um, you, on, when you're when you're on the judging panel, you are objective. Mm. And there's there's records that I wouldn't necessarily say are to my taste, but when I've listened to them objectively and I've found the merit in them, um, I think there's like some phenomenal work released by other artists, but it's not necessarily something that's you know that I would listen to. Sure. Um, but I, I think that's another thing that sets the Mercury's apart. You know, it's not. Um, there's certain awards that are based on the size of label that you're on mm. and the money behind you and the influence there and only certain genres get a look in because they're the ones being played on you know, Radio 1 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's what stands the Mercury apart then is probably why why it is a kind of a prestigious and big deal for artists. Um, having said that, you know, it's like, it's not the be all and end all like... Um, there's some incredible records that were released that I thought could have been shortlisted and should have been shortlisted and ultimately didn't get on there. So it's not um, it's not to say that if you don't get shortlisted, you don't make great music that's worthy of that kind of um, acclaim. Do you, do you care to name any of those people or would that be? Um, there's a couple of records, like um, one by... Anna B. Savage, which I thought was like probably one of the best records I'd heard um, from this year. And there was one from um, an, an Irish artist called For Those I Love. Oh. Um, not necessarily like my taste with either of those, but mm. um, I just thought as, as pieces of work and as records and like what they were doing, they were really special. Because that's one thing as well with... Uh with COVID that you haven't managed to benefit from? Because obviously the, the Mercury is seen as such a prestigious thing, uh, both for musicians and for, you know, the general public. And inevitably, if you're nominated for um, for a Mercury, you're going to see a spike in popularity. Uh, and that's also something that you haven't managed to yet sort of, well, I'm sure you benefited from because more people would have heard your record, but you're really going to see like a, probably a bunch of new faces when you finally get to go back on tour. Yeah, it's it's hard to gauge what difference it's made without... Um, I think had it been a, a normal year, we would have gone out and played gigs and been able to see, mm. um, like, actually physically in the room how how much more um, attention the band was getting or um, how many more people were into the music. But then, yeah, we've got the tour coming up, but then even so, it's, you know, we're just coming out of a pandemic. Not mm. everybody's, like, comfortable going to gigs. So I think still it's going to be hard to tell what kind of impact that's had. Um, yeah, it was it it was hard to... I think we did miss out on capitalising on mm. that nomination. But um, for us, the fact that... Um, the album got another lease of life and more people heard it was just so like I can't explain how good that was because mm. I was on a proper downer around that time like a week or so before we got found out we were on the shortlist and I was like feeling like you know is there much point in making more music does anybody really want to hear mm. another Lantmas album like what should I do with my life I still want to make music but is it 
do other people want to hear what I've got to do? And uh, and we'd put that record out after such a long time of being away. Mm. And then to not be able to go out and tour and it felt like the album kind of fizzled out really and we'd put mm. a lot of like love and effort and heart and sweat and tears into that. Um, so yeah, I felt on a real downer. And then <clears throat> when it got shortlisted, it was honestly like, I can't explain how happy it made us. Not because, you know, I was feeling like get us, we've been shortlisted for the Mercury, but it was like, get in, more people are gonna hear that album and it's not gonna die. And yeah. um, and it, and it kind of gave us a real morale boost as well as artists and like feeling excited about working on more music, knowing that, um, that people did want to hear it. Cause, it, cause it's so it's so difficult when when you're away from the public, and it's you know, with social media and stuff, you, it's rare that you're going to see all of the messages that say the nice things. Like it's more that yeah. if uh, you know if you're taking up someone's time on Radio One, they'll let you know that they're angry about it. Yeah, that's the thing with social media. It's people rarely talk about the things they love. They like yeah. to talk about what they're not happy with. Um, and, but we have had nice comments and things on social media. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it it is hard to really truly work out the reaction of your music mm. just from you know scrolling through a, a Twitter feed. Do you think that um, with with your genre, I would I would because I mean you're not like I wouldn't describe I don't know how I'd describe you really. You're not post rock. You're just you're just one of the one of the good indie bands, I guess. Um, because uh, you know, I've I've tried. Like, I've asked I've asked Low how they would describe themselves. I've asked Mogwai. They all just said we're indie bands. Indie's just the best way to describe it, I think. Um, but with because you know you got nominated on your fourth album. Do you think that this is one of the genres that allows artists uh, to grow more, rather than the real emphasis being on that first album to like really explode? Because I I remember the last for our last record we were described as uh, veterans. Which made me feel like old, but also like <laughs> I'd, I'd get respect in like a hard pub. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm a veteran of this genre now. But like, but also because it was said as that as a good thing, like with post rock, these guys are veterans, so they're trusted. But whereas when we were 21, we weren't trusted as much. Yeah, I, I don't know because I don't know what it's like to make music from other genres. Mm. Um, I think we're the kind of band that we've always hated when somebody's described us as a, as a particular genre. Mm-hmm. And like um, when people ask me what kind of music we make, I usually just say, oh, it's just, it's like just an indie band because mm-hmm. it is very hard. And, um, you know, when we've uh, put out records in the past and people have described things as post-rock, then the next thing we do when we get in the rehearsal room is like, right, come on, let's prove we're not post-rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we've done exactly like, the same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh I don't know why it annoys me so much when people try to give things a, a label that we do, but um, mm. I think as an artist, you guys are probably the same. You're always trying to prove that you're much more. And um, I think ultimately we just want to make great records and um, and um, brilliant songs and grow as musicians. And um, and I, I don't mean that by we want to get like more proficient and be brilliant musicians I, I just mean as a band together we want to see how far we can go and mm-hmm. um what we can create and um that's all we think about really and the fact that we play guitars and we're um you know an indie band is um yeah pr- probably does help help you in that mm. 
in that sense and that you can keep growing and pushing and you know you're not restricted to um just doing things with a laptop or something like that yeah one, one of the things i really love about lanterns is it's i mean you know i i love your voice and I, but it's not the it, it just really works it's you know we're not listening to steve vi and mariah carey it's not like technically perfect but there's a reason it works however you released a live album with an orchestra now that does have to be perfect to an extent doesn't it yeah well i mean the orchestra have to be perfect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are um still free to uh, let go and play as a full you know to give it some as a live band and um, i think that's what made that show and that recording work was mm. that um juxtaposition between you know a live band playing their heart out and then this orchestra who are reading the sheet music and yeah. um and adding to that really so we so i mean how does it, so were the orchestra sort of feeding off you guys or were you playing to like a click track or we didn't play to a click we um so we had a couple of sessions where we got in a room with the orchestra, showed them our songs, mm. which was so cringeworthy. <laughs> it goes A A D. Like I think the first um, the first time we got in a room together, and the first thing we did was they went um, plays one of your songs, and I had to go on my piano's not on, and I had to just sit playing an A for ages because that was the intro for this song, and I just remember like. Just want to curl up in a ball and die right now. Um, and yeah, and then I was trying to, because you you guys will know yourself as a band, you end up working out your own kind of musical language that you use with each mm. other and ways of describing the thing that you're trying to do or um, the thing that you want somebody else to try and do. And then I was trying to communicate with this orchestra, 40 piece orchestra, um, saying things like, when it does the doof bit, what you want to do is <laughs> like mega. And then like proper heartbreaky here. And uh, so that was all a bit embarrassing, but it, it all came together and worked in the end, luckily, because I think we only had, I think we had one run through, um, which was, might've been the day of the gig. We had one proper wow. live run through with everything. Um, and luckily it, <laughs> it all came together. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's an amazing record. Um, one one thing that uh, we also have in common with you uh, is that there've been a few personnel changes with the band, uh, and for us, it was a fucking nightmare. How, how was <laughs> how was it for you uh, creating with the personnel changes? Um, absolutely horrific. Yeah. Um, some of I would probably say some of the darkest times in my life. Oh, I mean, wow. like. Um, I think with the the first one um, was when Adam and Brendan left the band, and it felt it was very very difficult. Um, just like, just in the sense of like, how do we play gigs now? Um, with a, like, we weren't replacing Adam, um, so I was trying to cover a lot of things there. Um, I'd, I'd never played the piano before. Now, I, now I write most of my songs on wow. piano. Um, so I was kind of so in that in that sense it, it kind of helped artistically, but um trying to find a new bass player and then the bass player that came in was um a guy called Andy, who was Sarah, who played strings as boyfriend. Right. Um 
so then they both left the band like I think it might have been the week well we were in Berlin at the time when they told us they were going to be leaving wow and I think it was like a week before we went to do a tour in America oh my Um, god yeah and so that record we never we did go and tour it in America they didn't be during the tour obviously it was all um you know they wanted to keep going and but then I think they wanted to go and start a family and things like that so they told us about their decision then and it was just like my whole world fell apart because um so much of my identity and who I was and like what I was working towards was based on the band and I just felt like I'm not I don't know how to pick up the pieces now and um and then that record that campaign kind of stopped halfway through because we couldn't continue touring it um but having said that those changes meant that we got the lineup we have now and I've never felt more happy and more comfortable creatively and um just at ease with playing in a band and we all love what we do Mm. um we love making music together and it just works like the relationships work so well um so I think all the changes were a good thing I suppose it's like going through a a relationship breakup isn't it it's uh, at the time it feels horrendous and you don't know how you're what you'll do next but I think that's the majority you know of, it, it's the majority yeah. of people's default view is like, oh, it's the end of the world. Like what's going to happen now? The mm. band's over. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so did you guys find it the same? Yeah. Cause it, it, it's hard to not have that sense of betrayal. <laughs> because, and, but then after that, it's also just the whole, you know, we're a team. Yeah. It's that, it's that sense of feeling let down. And although, and also this feeling of like, I felt really stupid that I'd um, thought that we were all on the same page yeah. and we were all running for the same thing. And Absolutely. that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, it's a really horrible moment realising that you weren't all aiming towards the same thing. For someone yeah. else, they were kind of just passing the time or it was a hobby, which is yeah even more insulting. Well, the worst um, part of it is uh, having to teach the pe- the new people oh the songs again, going over and over and over older songs when you've, you're ready to move on and write new stuff. Yeah, yeah. When you're yeah, when you're ready to write and you're having to teach someone, you know, a song from the mid noughties Yeah, that that was a tricky one, but I I think when we kind of put the band back together, it was on our third album, Beings, and we were just about to start. So we came back off that American tour with mm. no band, and we went no longer trying to tour that record it had to just you know there's a loud um and then we were like well let's let's just start writing more music and I think the record and the music on it is quite um uh, yeah kind of like dark because of that and and those um kind of anxious feelings of like trying to pull everything back together again or wondering what you're doing with your life but um because we'd started working on new stuff we weren't worry too much about teaching new members the old songs even though we did but um yeah we could kind of move on to a, a fresh slate well i mean yeah. i'm sorry you're going through a shitty time but it benefited the music yeah 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 if you could just go through a, a few more horrible times that'd be really great for my <laughs> playlists um yeah do do you is there a clear like you know if you're out and about can you see can you spot a a lanterns fan or does it uh or do they all just merge into one big blur for you 
they all go um, to the pub is where they're yeah from. that's what we've learned in the northeast <laughs> they go to the pub they're, they're the musicians yeah. um it's a bit of a mix really and I, and i think that's the thing with like streaming and stuff nowadays is that um yeah it's like you say when when i was younger people um their identity was almost caught up in what kind of music they listened to. Absolutely. Um, Every t-shirt. Nowadays, I think that people have such an eclectic mix of things that they listen to for, and, and spanning decades of music mm. as well, um, that it doesn't that doesn't really tend to happen anymore. And I think at our gigs, we do get a real mix of people. You get the people that you can tell listen to six music. Yeah. Um, and you get the people that you can tell will have some sort of like teenagers that come and I think they've come off the back of um, we had a song used on a quite a cult um, video game called Life is Strange and okay. I think oh, a lot wow. of that crowd you can tell they've come well actually <laughs> they literally wear Life is Strange t-shirts oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not even guessing yeah um, and then I'll tell you what we do get a lot of dads with the daughters for some reason um men of a certain age with young daughter like teenage late teen daughters um it seems to think be the thing that they like together and it's their little yeah and so i do notice that um unless it's men with very 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 young girlfriends which um, chat with hazel thanks very much for taking the time uh kieran at the very start when we were talking about the beatles you were incredibly quiet oh i noticed that are you an are you an anti-beatles man are you one of those post-rock people that's an anti-beatles person i feel like we're gonna we're trying to out me like we did with steve earlier hold on i'm just have have beatles ever won a mercury (laughs) (laughs) yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't have heard of them mate oh just I'm just be, to be honest, they're just one of the, they're they're a band where I appreciate what they have done for music, I but I never you. stick them on for it's a Beatles. laugh. I've never, I hate you, never... and I hate every one of your kind. <laughs> and that is, Easy, and that is, oh, and I'm only talking about the Beatles stuff there, just before <laughs> anyone gets me wrong. <laughs> cancelled after episode two. <laughs> I get cancelled. I'm only an acquaintance I mean, there's loads, of, of Joe. To be fair, there is loads of other parts of your personality that I don't like, but the Beatles stuff yeah. has really got me wound up. It's in the top 20 there's, parts there's, of his life. There's plenty of people that are, they're not like their favourite band. Like, Joe, they're, would, they're, would you say they're your favourite band? Um, or they're, they're in there, I they're in the mix for that. I don't think I have a favourite band. But they're I think a favourite band, there, come on. They're one of the... I No, I don't think... I don't have a favourite band, but they're, they're one of the few that I can stick on whatever mood I'm in and it like it's, it's a guaranteed winner so they're a comfort band not a comfort but no it's something because like, I think you know comfort stuff is just it's comforting because there's memories to it but I'm still hearing you know if I go deep into the anthologies I'm still hearing something I've not heard before and going do you know what this is cool yeah well for me they're like a, a band that 
I appreciate them on that academic level that Kieran's talking about, but I mm. really I like them and enjoy them like all normal I, people. I I just don't think I don't think you've explored them enough, Kieran. Because not long it wasn't long ago. It was at the start of the year when we uh, when because you're a big fan of Nine Inch Nails, and Trent Reznor was nominated for two. Not I was about to say Mercury's. <laughs> he was nom- <laughs> he's nominated for two Oscars. And I was like, look at this guy. I didn't know he was actually talented. And then you made me a playlist, and that's turned me around. So this is what I'm going to do for you, sir. I'm going to make you a playlist of Beatles songs that I think you'll like. I think I think I can turn you around. I guarantee it will not be as good as the Trent Reznor Nine Inch Nails playlist. You, I can't believe you've just said the works of Lennon and McCartney don't match up to Trent Reznor. I'm, no, he's, look, if we he's were in saying, the same room, he's saying that your playlist won't be as good as his playlist. He's he's Ooh. turning this into a point scoring event. No, yeah, I can't. I can't. We, we all know that we can't compete with Joe's tour playlists and Joe's play. Joe's made a lot of great yeah, playlists in the past. It's been very okay. difficult to top. So go well, on. That's then. preaching to the choir. This is trying to convert someone. If you uh, if true. you think if you think you can make me a Beatles fan, not, a, not I'm not saying I, a, not an obsessive. I'm no. not saying I'm going to go and see them live. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> No, I think I think, and do you know what I think we've stumbled upon here, guys? Is a feature, Ooh. and that's what's going to make this an actual show. So feature next week, one. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to send you a playlist, and next week we're going to talk about it. Okay, uh, it's better next than the the other feature we had that thus far was bullying Jack. And I, I tell you, I tell you what, talking of my playlists in the tour bus van, one of the early playlists that we used to play a lot included. Our guests on next week's show, Low, doing a cover of a Beatles song. And so that is where I'm going to begin yeah. this playlist journey. Okay. This Oh, do okay. you know what? This this is how you make good podcasts. <laughs> Self-declared good podcasting. That Beatles chat was illuminating in another way, though, because I on. found out we've had so many debates mixing our stuff about yeah. panning. Oh, and now yeah. I know where your deep-seated fear, <laughs> fear... Of panning comes from, and it's the Beatles. It's it's my it's my deep seated inner ear issues that I've clearly got. This game needs a name. Yeah, what are we calling it? Uh, I tell you what, that's a feature in itself. This game needs a name, so we'll come up with games and then give just give the we don't have to play them, just give them a name. That's <laughs> I'll write, I'm going to write that down for a separate show that yeah. I'm going to do later. Okay. Um, but, right. So I don't know. What what do you want to call it? Oh, I just had an awful thought, but actually, really good name. But okay, you because you have a lot of awful thoughts, yeah, and a lot of awful names. This okay, I thought we could call it conversion therapy, but then I remembered what conversion (laughs) therapy was. Wow, (laughs) that's a great idea. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not opposed to it, right? But I definitely we can't include that on the social media or in the description of the episode. Yeah, Kieran go through, through conversion, conversion therapy. therapy. It's Joe on Kieran. <laughs> just for listeners, we're not making light of anything here, but just because that is let's say, let's save it for now. For now, I'm going to call it Kieran's "I Love You" mixtape. <laughs> well done, well done, okay. sir. Kieran's secret "I Love You" mixtape that's going to. That he's going to play on his Walkman on the walk to school. I swear to God, you better listen to every second of That's it. That's what I mean. I know I'm going to be tested on it. I can't even in say fact, I listen to it. I can't go. Oh yeah, it was all right. In fact, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Hazel for her input on this as well. Oh fuck. 
and you, and you and you actually respect her, so you might listen yeah. to it. <laughs> Don't make um, it too long though, because that's the other problem. When it's not post rock, the songs are so short, and it ends up being like twenty songs. I, I tell you what, li- listeners, if there are Beatles fans out there, and statistically there must be, <laughs> what what Beatles songs would you include on a playlist for a moody, flipping, ambient? <laughs> Music, post rock, idiot. <laughs> um, and, and and feel free to go deep cut. Feel free to go, you know, anthologies, demos. Feel free to go solo work. Oh, I'm interested. Okay. Info at codesintheclouds.net. Solo work counts for the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen the Yellow Submarine, so don't worry about that song. And one one thing I forgot to mention last week, uh, for each episode we're putting together Spotify playlists so that uh, the things that the songs that are discussed or that are relevant to the show will go in a playlist that you can listen to after or before, however you choose, and it'll be in the description. We got of the features, episode. we got playlists. You two did really well on that interview. <laughs> I thought I thought it was I thought it was really interesting that uh, Especially what she said about the Jimi Hendrix thing. I yeah. didn't know about that that story. Oh, really? No, no, I'd, I'd never heard of it either. Well, I went to Wikipedia just now. Here's a guy that does some research. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it yeah. is true. It's that it, his his primary school teacher saw him going around with a broom, pretending it was a guitar. Wow. And he like couldn't focus and. It was they tried to get like extra funding to buy him a guitar based wow. on like this kid will be psychologically damaged unless we can put a real guitar in his hands. It's oh like, my word. So wow, cool, isn't amazing. it? Like proper, Yeah, that is like, really cool. Stuff. Well, you just you just don't hear all the stories of the thousands of other whoppers who walked around with a broom pretending to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> who everyone thought was just weird and stupid and didn't get anywhere. <laughs> me, for for me personally it was it's great to hear jack say whoppers in episode two i mean that's a common one for jack and it always makes me (laughs) but yeah uh thank you so much for listening guys uh do check out the spotify playlists do subscribe please tell a friend please give us the five star reviews etc etc and you can email us on info at codesintheclouds.net say your uh say your thing say your sign off Oh, um, what was it? Take the t- paper, uh, mate. I tell you what. Go get your. If you, <laughs> if if you if you're craning, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'll see you next week. <laughs>